Nothing like a setup, but I appreciate that. Thank you, Scott. Um, good evening. My name is Scott. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm in recovery from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hey, I'm glad you guys are here tonight. Um, man, recovery is tough. Recovery can be very difficult, and uh, I know sometimes in my life I just want to curl up and just forget everything that's going on. And uh, it's crazy. But life happens. Things happen. Um, Usually, I'll say I don't do as many stupid things now. But when I was younger, I would do dumb things. And uh, sometimes do stupid stuff to put my life at jeopardy. And uh, I uh, love this TV show because it makes me laugh uh, a lot. It's called Ridiculousness. Don't worry. We're not going to necessarily watch the show, but um, I did take a few clips from that show, and uh, will you guys pay attention to the screens as we watch this? That was rough. 
That was rough. But here's the deal. Walk it off, right? I remember my football coach time and time again going, walk it off. Just rub some dirt on it and get back in there. I think that was in Johnny Be Good, the movie. But here's the thing is, in life, we get handed hurt and pain over and over again. And the question is, how do we handle it? Is it stuff that we can really walk off or no? Is it stuff that we truly can handle or no? And there's some stuff that we can handle, and there's some stuff we can't handle. And I don't know about you, but I've had a lot of things happen to me in my life. And there's some stuff that I stuff, and there's some stuff that I'm able to uh, not stuff, and it ends up ruining my life. There's a phrase in recovery that's called fake it till you make it. And a lot of people that are outside the rooms may confuse that with what it really means. Fake it till you make it means keep doing the work, keep doing the work, keep doing the steps, keep meeting with your sponsor, keep doing those things that you're supposed to do in recovery, and eventually you're going to gain traction and you're going to start finding success, right? That's what that means. Keep fake it till you make it. Keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it. It's going to gain traction and you can do it. For others, they may say, hey, I'm just going to pretend. I'm just going to pretend. And all too well, there's people that walk in these rooms that pretend. They wear the mask. They play the game. And I hope that this is a place that you can find safe to take down that mask, that you don't have to be fake, and that you can actually deal with life on life's terms. And our phrase tonight, or the, the message tonight is, don't just walk it off. Don't just walk it off. Deal with it in a healthy way. Because the reality is life happens. And physically, life happened to me. Growing up, um, I remember uh, we had a great neighborhood. And in that neighborhood, we were always outside playing. We were playing football. We were playing wiffle ball. We were playing tag. As we got older, we didn't like calling it tag, so we called it ditch, because that, for some reason, was amazing. That was a much better name uh, than hide-and-seek or whatever. And uh, I remember one time being chased, and there was a fence about this high, and I remember running through my neighbor's yard, and I hurdled the sucker. It was awesome. Like, I was a gazelle. It was really amazing. <laughs> Um, some of you laugh at that. You don't think I can be a gazelle, but I can. I was a gazelle, and I leapt over this thing, but I brought my leg around this way a little too far, and all I heard was a pop, and I went, that wasn't good. I kept running. I ended up getting tagged, and I was it, and then I was like, I can't run, so game's over for me. And I tried to walk it off. I tried to be the man. I tried to do all that kind of stuff. I ended up going home. And uh, my parents say, all right, time for dinner. And I couldn't get up. I was like, I can't move. Mom, dad, we end up going down. And there was something that happened to my kneecap that, that really got messed up. I couldn't walk that one off. I remember I was in eighth grade. And I was playing baseball out of Belpassi. And uh, I was playing center field, and there was this amazing line drive hit right at me, and I'm totally coming up to field it, and it was beautiful. Like, I was in perfect position. I was right about to catch, scoop, and throw just how you're supposed to. And I did this, and it hits the tip of my finger because I had my finger up too much. And I went, oh, grab the ball. I throw it in, and I look down, and there's blood gushing out of my finger. There's blood all over my uniform, and I went, 
my fingernail was sticking up like that. And I went, um, coach, I need to go. And so I ended up going to the hospital, getting it taken care of, got back before the game was over. And I remember getting back and the coach is all, so can you hit? I was like, I just broke my finger. No, I can't. I couldn't just walk that off. Sports bring a lot of hurt and pain in my life. I've had injuries. My freshman year in football, I remember being out there before a game doing these tackling drills, and I was a shorter guy. I know that surprises you. And I was an offensive lineman weighing at 165 at that time, and I was going against a 300-pound guy. And he ended up jumping in this tackling drill, don't know why, bent me backwards, and I hurt my ribs. So it didn't break them, but it ripped the cartilage in my ribs. I had to, every play, hold my breath, and then I'd breathe in the the huddle. That was how I played. And then after a half, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I couldn't just walk it off. The physical pain was way too much. In football, I got my hands stepped on. I got my shins kicked. Lots of things happened. If you ever talk to Scott, he's got lots of things that have happened to him in his life. Just talk to him about his rugby stories, right? Some of them legit, some of them not, right? Just like all of us. He's like, hey, maybe, maybe. I won't, I won't shoot at you, sorry. Um, for me, probably one of the biggest things that I couldn't walk off was my back. I remember my back going out. I remember it being a lot of pain. I remember having sciatic pain all the way down my leg into my feet and it being grueling. I remember going to a chiropractor. He's adjusting me. I go in the back and they they give me a massage and I'm like, hey, be gentle. My sciatic nerve is acting up. The massage person, I think, misinterpreted and like Rolf the sucker. I was crying as I was putting my socks on. I get out to my car, I get to my office and I, I go, if I sit down, I'm never moving again. So I get back in my car, drive home, walk in the bedroom and just collapse for a week on my floor. Ask my wife, she had just given birth to our, to our uh, baby. And she was like, seriously, can you not do anything? I was like, I can't do anything. I couldn't just walk it off. I don't know what physical pain that you've received. Maybe things that you've done in your life, maybe it's things caused by others. Maybe there's been abuse in your life. But for me, that's what some of the physical pain that I experienced. But what about the emotional pain? I mean, I've told the story in my testimony about being abandoned really and neglected at nine years old about my mom having a nervous breakdown and really never leaving the bed or the couch ever again, practically. What about being mocked? I remember getting teased all the time growing up. I got teased, I got harassed until, as I have my opinion on how you deal with bullies, but I won't share that right now, I took care of stuff and I never got bullied again, but the constant maybe uh, disrespect that I felt in my life. Um, The feelings of being unloved, of desiring just to be loved and accepted for who I was, but the rejection that was handed me by family members, by church members, by friends, and the hurt and pain that that caused. What emotional hurt and pain have you received in your life? What's some of the things that you've wrestled with? Even spiritual hurt and pain. The spiritual stuff that happens in our life, the the spiritual abuse. 
See, my mom used to argue with us and, and she would use scripture not as a way to gently guide us and direct us, but as a, a tool to manipulate and condemn us. It wasn't used in a way that it is intended to be used. It's until I learned how to fight back in that way and unfortunately I learned how to manipulate and abuse people in that same way. The unforgiveness spiritually the feeling unforgiven by others, the guilt and shame spiritually that I felt because of my sin, because of my sexual addiction, the walking around, carrying on the the things that I knew I did in secret and how that would affect me when I was in public and how people would deal with me. Because deep inside, if you truly knew who I was, you would never love me or accept me. But not only... Life happens, but now that life has happened, how do we deal with it? How do you deal with life? How do you handle life when it is handed to you? You know, physically, physically, how do I handle life? Well, there's times I fought back. Uh, We just did a personality test here at the church, and uh, I, I, I like those and I hate those all at the same time. I like him because it's kind of fun to see what it's going to come up with this time. But I hate him because the reality is it pinpoints me. And I'm like, dude, that's not me. And the one thing that I tell my wife over and over again for years is I hate debating. I'm not, I don't like debating. When we start debating, I just shut down. I'm done. I'm done. I don't like politics because it's debate and I, don't, I can't handle it. I freak out. I can't control it. I'm done. I, I, it, it spins me out. Well, I got the results back, and what did it title me? A debater. <laughs> awesome, thank you. I was like, how do you know this? And uh, everyone I talked to, uh, they're like, dude, Scott, you're totally a debater. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, you're even debating me about being a debater. <laughs> Stop it. But I fight things, I like to argue things, I wanna understand, I gotta have that reason of why. I'm that kid that was always asking why. Why can't I do this? Why can't I stick a fork in a light socket? Why is that bad? Right? I ask those questions. And believe it or not, that, that has happened to me. So we're just going to move past that. Sometimes I, it was the, the reality of just suck it up. This is what life has handed you. This is what you're doing. Suck it up and just deal with it. I mean, you learn that in sports. You learn that in, in the way we deal with things. Tough. Guess what? I know you work at a church. It's business. That's church life. Just do it. That's the way it goes. And I don't like it, but I suck it up. Other ways is to walk it off. Sometimes physically, you just walk it off. All right? I'm just going to rub some dirt on it, get back in there, and do life. I've been hurt. I've been whatever. Life has handed me. Just get back in there. And then there's times I shrink. And when I say shrink, that's usually meaning like uh, our speaker Kim last week is usually means to fall into that fog, to sit on the edge of my bed knowing I need to get dressed and ready for the day, but unable to figure out how to get dressed. To sit there and go, I know I need to put socks and shoes on and, and, and pants, but how do I do that? And then my wife walking in the room going, what's wrong? Uh, nothing, I'm just, just getting ready, just thinking. There's that fog that hits me, 
and I shrink and I disappear. And I don't like that. I, I try to, that translates over into some emotional stuff and how I numb out. I disappear into fantasy world. How I disappear into TV, how I disappear into video games, how I disappear into different thought life, music, whatever it is, podcast. I avoid things emotionally. I just avoid them. I don't go near them. I avoid conversation so much so that I will pick a fight just so I don't have to deal with a certain topic. So much so that I will totally avoid and, and ignore people. Emotionally, emotionally, I can freeze. I just get frozen sometimes. And then there's the aspect of emotionally is that addiction. That addiction to learn how to cope with the things of life and I don't know how to deal with that. I feel overwhelmed, so what am I going to do? I look at porn. I feel overwhelmed, I feel hurt, I feel pain, I feel whatever it is. So what am I going to do? I'm going to do the next line of crank. What am I going to do? I'm going to do some heroin. What am I going to do? I'm going to drink that next keg of beer. Because it's not just one, it's usually a keg. Right? In our lives, it's how it goes. That addiction of uh, feeling overwhelmed and sitting there, and, and, I, and for me, it's, it's going, I know I need to walk, I know I need to exercise, I know, you know, I, I shouldn't be eating the carbohydrates, and then the next thing I know, I find myself sitting there staring cookies in the face going, oh, well, this won't hurt. Oh, tomorrow I'll start. It's only one cheeseburger. It's only one this. It's only this. And the, the denial and the addiction starts to creep in. But how do we deal with life spiritually? How do we deal with life when it hits us in the face spiritually? For me, it became a way to play a game. I became outwardly a perfectionist. Outwardly, I played the game. I knew all the Christian lingo. I've been in the church long enough. I knew what verses to quote. I knew what prayers to pray. I went to a Christian school, so I knew how to pray. I knew how to do all those things. I knew how it was to look good and put on that facade so everyone else around me would not think that I'm doing horrible. But here's reality. They know. Spiritually, we fall into perfectionism. We have to do right. We have to hold to the law by the letter of the law. We go into legalism. Not only do we have to do it, but everybody else around has to do it. And we do their inventory for them. How many times has you, have you done your spouse's inventory have you done your kid's inventory? Have you done your boss's inventory? Too many times in my life I've done that. We play the performance game. If only I perform well enough. If only if I pray well enough. If only I read enough scripture. If only I can meditate well enough. If only I could become a pastor, then everything in my life will be perfect. But here's the reality. Scripture would say that we become whitewashed tombs when we play that game. When we deal with things spiritually like that, because somewhere along that game, we think that forgiveness equals being perfect and that we can never sin again. It means that we can't stumble, we can't fall, we can't struggle because we're a Christian, because we go to recovery, because we do whatever, that we can't admit that we, that we have failure. And so we play the game. 
We play the game to try to be perfect. Well, Jesus has some words to say about that. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, it says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Oh, greed and self-indulgence. That's great. You look great to everybody else, but inside your heart, there is greed and self-indulgence. There is death, there is decay, there is grossness. Our uh, wash, uh, dishwasher went out a little bit ago, a couple months ago. I don't know how long ago. My wife is shaking. Six months ago, she says, see? <laughs> Tells you how often I do dishes. Um, right? But here's the thing, and and we've decided, well, we're just going to wash dishes by hand. It's not that hard. You just get them done when they're done. It's a great idea. As soon as you use them, you wash them. Well, we have five kids, and there's certain one of our kids that do a good job, and there's other ones, what's really cool is you get leftovers the next time you get the plate. That's really awesome. (laughs) And so we got to scrub them. We got to make sure they're clean. And sometimes, you know, when you stack dishes, you got to clean the bottom of them as well sometimes. Yeah, when you grab that plate the next time, there's food still on the bottom. It's really good. So here's the thing is, is that's a great example of how we can be in our life. We like to clean and make sure everything looks good, but reality is on the outside of that, and, and <coughs> it doesn't look good. Or the inside of that cup, it doesn't look good. He also goes on to say this in Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, 28. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all cleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. The idea of we are having to present to everyone everything is good. We have to put out on social media. Everything's great. Look how great our Thanksgiving is. Look how great our Christmas is. Look, we just went to Christmas Tree Lane. Look at all this. And yet, as soon as you turn off social media, the fights and the discouragement and the hate that is filled in your home, because it's full of dead bones, because we have become whitewashed tombs, Looking good on the outside, but inside there's death and decay. There's things that are being, eating us alive on the inside. Well, we have to accept life. And I don't know in what order it is up there, but I'm going to go to the big book quote. If you can get that. It's on page 449 of uh, the third edition. It says this, and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I am disturbed, it is because I find some person, place, thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it is supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing, happens in God's world by mistake. Acceptance is huge. And we at some point in our life have to start to accept life as it is. We have to stop playing the game, the faking it. We have to stop just trying to walk it off. I know my husband just said that 
and just try to walk it off. I know my wife just did this and just try to walk it off. We have to go through the acceptance. The person, place, or thing. We have to accept the fact that the things that we've done in our addiction have caused a toll on us physically. That because of my food addiction, there's certain things that are going on with my body that affect me. There's certain things that you put into your body that has affected you. And that is a reality. That is a reality of us accepting that. Physically, we have to understand the difference between being hurt or injured. I tell that to my football players all the time. I tell my football players, you got to know one of the best things you can learn is the difference between being hurt and being injured. Being hurt means, okay, I can keep going. And injured means, I can't go another play. Pull me out, coach. And I had a kid, one game. This was for the league championship, by the way. JV league championship. Big things on the line. We were playing, and we were up 14-0. My stud player, running back, and uh, my safety, the hard hitter on the team, ends up hurting his shoulder. He's out of the game. Pulls him. He's going, coach, put me back in. I put him back in. Ends up hurting himself again. He's out. Another one of my players, the backup running back, and uh, corner, another hard hitter on our team, hurts his hip. He can't run right. He's jacked up. He's hurting. He's out of the game. We're down to like nothing. I got no subs on the sideline. And I got this guy who comes up and he's running off to the sideline. I go, coach, someone stepped on my hand. I go, can you do this? He's like, yeah, go get back in there. <laughs> That's the difference between hurt and injured. A guy who literally can't play, his arms hanging like that's probably a sign he can't play anymore. And a guy's going, yeah, I, I just. <laughs> Later, I had to work my recovery, and I ended up having to go back and make amends for a comment I made. But the reality is, is we have to know and understand the difference between hurt and injury. And physically, we got to know what is something we have to deal with and not deal with. What are the things that we can and can't walk off? Emotionally, what are the things that we can and can't walk off? What is the difference between being an offense and being offended? What are those differences? I mean, emotionally, I just hear, and I know because I struggle with this in my own life, is anxiety can be very overwhelming. Depression has reaped into our lives. We are faced with fear and worry. And it controls us every single day, worried about tomorrow. Am I going to have a job? What about this COVID? That is a culture of where we're at. Am I going to get it today? Is there going to be somebody that I know that gets it? Am I a super spreader? What is it and the fear that comes with these things in our life? And how do we handle those things? Here's what scripture says. And this is out of Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 through 9. Well, that says 8. I think I'm going to go with that one though. It says this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, 
By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known by God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything, any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. So we can be worried, we can have anxiety, we can have fear, but if we can cling to the God and we don't just try to walk it off and we let God carry us off, that is the key. The key is to let God be the one who steps into our life and can carry us. The God that can come in and help us with our stuff. The God that when we're struggling emotionally, when we're stuck in that fear, when we're stuck in that depression, that we're able to say, God, help me. And he's able to change the way we think. He's able to clear the fog. He's able to take care of that worry and deal with that in a healthy and God-honoring way. Spiritually, how do we deal with things? Well, I mean, you have a chance to be fake spiritually, hide behind everything, lie about everything, pretend the game, or you have a chance to be real. One of the biggest turnoffs in, in, in the world out there is the hypocrisy within the church. And the fact that we as Christians have a choice to choose, we have a choice to choose, that's awesome, Scott, well done. But if we have a choice to make about if we're going to be real and authentic or if we're going to live a life of hypocrisy. And that's a tough thing to figure out. Are we going to be real or are we going to be fake? Well, I hope that you choose to be real. I hope that you choose to be authentic in your faith, authentic in your life, authentic in the way you live. That doesn't mean you have to be perfect. It simply means that you have to live in acceptance. Accept yourself as who you are. Accept yourself along this journey. There's a difference that we have to figure out between being arrogant and prideful and being humble. Humility is key in our life. Humility is key in our recovery. As we begin to teach through the 12 steps in January, you will realize that really the beginning of the journey is humility. God gives grace to the humble. And it's in our humility that God's able to start working in our life. When we start to think that we have to have everything together, when we start to think that we have to be perfect, guess what? That is pride. That is not reality. We have to learn to live in the spirit, not in the flesh. See, I read you the passage of scripture about the cup and the plate, but the next verse, it says this. It says, you hypocrites. He says, you blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and the outside also may be clean. The fact that we would dive deep into our life that we would not just walk it off, but we would allow Christ to come into our life and start to clean our life is huge. And it's through that that everything else starts to follow. I get it. I understand it. When I meet with my sponsees as sex addicts, I don't sit there and talk necessarily all about all the ways they act out sexually. We start to dive into the steps. We start to read recovery material we start to do things like that because I know if they start to work on the inside of their life the outside will start to match the outside will start to follow and it will begin that way 
See, Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 14 says this. It says, you can't heal a wound by saying it's not there. You can't heal a wound by simply trying to walk it off. You have to deal with it. And how do we deal with it? Well, let me read you this passage of scripture. And in this, and you don't have it up there, and I'm sorry, I pulled it up late. But Luke chapter 15, verses four through seven in the ESV, it says this. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulder, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The fact that Jesus says right here, the man that would go out and find the person in their rock bottom moment and be able to scoop them up, put them on his shoulders. In other words, you can't do this on your own. You can't just walk it off. You can't just walk back to the herd on your own. I'm gonna scoop you up. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna protect you. I'm gonna feed you. I'm gonna water you. I'm going to carry you back to where you belong. And tonight, I know there's some of you that have been gone a long time. And I'm glad that tonight, God was able to scoop you up, put you on his shoulders, and to carry you back into these rooms. And I hope that you learn tonight, don't just walk it off. Let God carry you off. Let me close in prayer, and then we will close our whole time out with a serenity prayer. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your promises in scripture. Lord, you are a God that cares about us. And yet you know we have hurt, we have pain, we have the depths of our, our souls and our lives that have, we hold on to and we are stuck in sometimes. And we need your help to get out of that to get out of that muck and that mire, to get out of that emotional destruction. And we need to learn how to surrender and, and let you be the one in charge. So we should be able to set our own will, our own desires, our own effort aside and let you be the one to carry us. And you've put together these 12 steps and their biblical comparisons so that it is easy for us to do it, so it is simple for us to do it. So help us to do that in our walk. And tonight as we go into group, may we be able to share experience, strength, and hope on ways in our life that we've struggled in this and how we can surrender to you. So thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Will you guys stand and let's close with the serenity prayer? It goes like this. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen. First time guest, right?